Are you enjoying this podcast? Consider supporting this show. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to my podcast, Don't Make This Weird. Each week I invite a special guest to talk about their life, the news, politics, and anything else that might come up. Welcome to another episode of Don't Make This Weird. Uh, This week, I am joined by someone I have been very, very excited to talk to um, since uh, she said yes to coming on the show. Uh, She is a business strategy coach. She's a four-time TEDx talker, keynote speaker, retired award-winning chef, uh, political junkie, self-proclaimed champagne goddess and uh she's a proud transparent uh which endears me to her all the more um and i definitely just read verbatim from her twitter bio um so (laughs) um please welcome to the show miss laurie hi hey hey greg um i have to I was I was telling somebody about you coming on the show earlier, and uh, I called you Doctor Lori, and they were like, "I I don't think she's a doctor," um, but I was like, "Well, I, okay, <laughs> I'm not a doctor." <laughs> well, so on this podcast, we do love a good origin story. So so tell us about baby Miss Lori. Oh, wow. Okay. So I am originally from New Orleans. Um, Like they say, born and raised. Um, I grew up in projects and um, I have been a book nerd my entire life and um, went to university when I got to high school, I was kind of like, okay, I need to blow this place. (laughs) And I wanted to go as far away as possible. So I literally packed up and went to Paris for university. Um, to the American College in Paris. I was broke. I ate spaghetti most days, even though I was in Paris. (laughs) I had a little, uh, a guy who owned a little um, crepe stand um, on Rue Claire in Paris who would feed me. He, I guess he felt sorry for me. And um, so I did that for about a year and then um, came back home and decided I wanted to, you know, just be closer to family went to Tulane University for a year. I studied Japanese, uh, some more uh, business courses. Um, and then I went into, uh, started working at a hotel where I met my husband. And this was all by the time I was like 19, 20. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so, um, uh, and I was a big junior achievement gal when I was in high school. So I was, uh, Four years in high school, I was on the staff for the National Junior Achievers Conference. That was kind of my, um, you know, my other nerdy thing that I did. And um, I met my husband. We've been together now 35 years, 31 legally. Um, you know, my my husband is French, and I remember I have a I have an aunt who's seven day at Venice, and every time she would see me when we were living together, she would come up to me and she would say. So are you still living in Shacking up with that white boy? And I say, yes. 
<laughs> so we're still shacking up, but we're doing it legally now. <laughs> Although I will say sometimes it feels like we're living in sin. <laughs> All right now. Uh, and we, um, uh, so we uh, left New Orleans um, in, I want to say 91 or 92 and moved to Hong Kong. So we wanted to go somewhere and where he, my husband is a chef. He's a classically trained chef. When I met him in New Orleans, he was actually a resident chef for three-star Michelin chef in, in France. And we wanted to go to Asia. And the requirement was that it had to be somewhere where I would have the option to work if I wanted to. Um, and we looked at a couple of places. So, you know, Singapore, um, and we landed on Hong Kong and we had planned on being there for two years. And then two years turned into five and then 10 and then 28. And it was mainly because I started, um, I'd started a catering business, like just at, we had a, a little tiny apartment and I met a girl who said, oh, I heard about these two ladies who had started a catering business. And I thought, I can do that. I got pots, I got pans, I got fire, <laughs> you know? And in reality, what I had was two burners and a rice cooker. That was <laughs> I didn't even have like a little microwave or a, a toaster oven or anything like that. I had to go out and buy a little oven to put on top of my fridge to bake pies in. And it just kind of blew up. And so I turned that catering business um, into a tiny like private kitchen. And then I turned that into a restaurant um, and that blew up and we were in, you know, everything from like time to the news, the, the Rob report to Newsweek and it was just crazy. And, um, and so I just kind of fell into the restaurant business and restaurants and catering. And, uh, it has been both very good to me and it has been a very, um, a, a stressful time. Anybody who's an entrepreneur knows, I mean, I actually lost absolutely everything twice, like to the point where I could not buy diapers. Um, and uh, just kind of picking myself back up from that and moving forward. And now I, um, I live location, I call it location independent. So I'm currently in Mexico. I'm in Puerto Vallarta. Got a beautiful view of the sea here. And um, you know, with COVID, it has been interesting because my husband um, used to have a green card and we gave it up close to over 25 years ago because he didn't want to pay taxes. He's like, oh, we're not living there. And technically he wasn't supposed to have it anyway because he was no longer a resident in the U.S. And, um, and so now because he doesn't have a green card, even though we've been married for so long, he can only stay 90 days at the time in the U.S., and so with COVID, we have been um, kind of juggling our, our life. We kind of feel like, you know, I hate to call myself a digital, I feel like I got too many gray hairs to call myself a digital nomad. Um, but um, it's kind of been, uh, we were separated for the longest period we've ever been away from because we, we left Hong Kong in 2019 um, because my son went to university. We packed up, gave away or, put into storage everything we have, and we moved into a small apartment in Vietnam. So I actually have an apartment in Vietnam where all my stuff is that I cannot get back to because the country is still locked because of COVID, but that's a whole nother story. Um, so we had come to the US and um, then everything got locked down. All the countries started closing, COVID hit. 
Um, and I was stuck in the US. He had gone back to Hong Kong to deal with one of our companies, came back to the US. And then we realized, okay, what now? So he went off to France for six months. That's the longest time we've ever been apart. And it was, it, you know, in hindsight, it was, it was fortuitous because I got to spend a lot of time with my mother. Um, the most time I've ever had to spend with her in, you know, close to 30 years. And my dad had just passed away um, the October previously. And so I spent a lot of time in the U.S., which is how I've gotten back into politics, <laughs> um, because it has, you know, even though we are aware overseas, um, it, it, you know, and there's Democrats abroad overseas, and I have to tell you about how I got into Democrats abroad, um, but um, it's not the same. You don't, like, it's not as visceral. Uh, it's very easy to... Um, it's very easy to be a bit more removed from the the day-to-day -day happenings, partially because you don't actually hear about everything um, the way you do here. Um, and for me also, I didn't have the same amount of time because when I was in Hong Kong, I was, you know, I had like five different restaurant outlets, a catering company, uh, you know, different kitchens. I have 120 staff. So like, I have time to be watching anything. <laughs> Um, but now that I have transitioned into my, my new life, my new career um, fully, it's, I have a lot more flexibility in the time that I can devote to the things that I really care about. And so that's why I'm always running my mouth on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, you brought up uh, Democrats abroad. Let's, let's dive into that because our, our next topic is actually more politics. So. Okay, so I was, um, I think this must have been like 90, maybe 90, 93 or 94. Um, and let me just say that there were not a lot of black people in Hong Kong. Like, at all. <laughs> like you could, it was, I kid you not, it was like spotting a unicorn in the wild. You like see, you know, you would see somebody, <laughs> you would run across the street. And if it was a woman, the first thing you would say is, where are you getting your hair done? <laughs> that was, it was that bad. Um, but I was in the supermarket. Um, I was in a mall and this lady, this white lady walked up to me and she said, you must be a Democrat. And I said, well, actually at the time I, you know, I, I was registered as an independent actually. Cause I was like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. And I said, well, I, I think I'm an independent action. She said, no, no, no you're a Democrat and I'm having a party at my house with other Democrats and you're coming. And I was like, I don't even know you lady. She's like, I have champagne. And I was like, give me your address. <laughs> um, and she, uh, she kind of just like dragged me into Democrats abroad by like the third meeting. I was, I don't know, in charge of PR or something like that. <laughs> And um, and that was how I kind of got involved in politics. And she's actually currently in Washington, Washington, D.C. She's been there for, I think, probably 15 years or so now, um, maybe a bit longer. And she is um, a social secretary for one of the embassies. I'll just leave it at that. And um, but she was kind of like she was like, I, girl, listen, I don't care what you are. You're a Democrat now. <laughs> and You're going to be doing Democrat stuff. 
<laughs> and she was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mold you. And that was how I, I got involved and, um, and really became, you know, aware of what was going on, like, um, outside of what we saw, because at the time we didn't even have cable in Hong Kong. There were like three TV channels and the TV screen actually went blank at 10 a.m. So there was nothing on the TV. You couldn't get anything on the TV from 10 a.m. until I think three or 4 p.m. So like, it was like, you either gonna be at work or you're gonna be doing something productive during the daytime because there's nothing on TV. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, it was, it was just an interesting time and, and being able to, um, to get involved in that way. So this is, uh, we are, we are in a, a midterm year, um, and it's, you know, it gets said a lot, but I mean, this, given the trajectory of the modern day Republican party, this actually is probably the most consequential consequential election um of a lot of our lives um because this could be make or break for a lot of things um are there any uh midterm races that you're you've got your eye on in particular uh florida val Demings, um that is one and um, you know, I, I, of course, I'm looking at Pennsylvania. That is something that is kind of got everybody up in arms. But, you know, I am just praying that Fetterman is not, doesn't get the nomination. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, and I'm from Louisiana. Uh, I don't think that there is a chance in hell that we can get John Kennedy out of his seat. Um, but, you know, um, I, I, I'm given to both of the Democratic people in the primary and, you know, we're just going to do the best we can here because like many Southern states, um, we are gerrymandered. You know, it's not that we, we can't win. We have a Democratic governor. We've had Democratic governors before. Um, it's just that the way that the state is 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 broken up that it's very difficult for our votes to count the same way and, and I will say that you know I there are a lot of times where particularly when I'm on Twitter that I have to um I, I stop scrolling because I just it, it's you know I mean you know it's very <laughs> personal right and um you know especially since my son has transitioned um and he's here in the U.S. And and you know we're we're very fortunate. I'm not. We have options. You know, my son has a French passport. He has. He's born in Hong Kong, so he has permanent Hong Kong residency. So we have options. But it's he's in. You know, he's in the U.S. now. Um, he's getting married in two weeks. <laughs> and you know, and it's really really scary. And I'm not gonna lie. I wake up. I I wake up terrified so many nights because, you know, I just think, and especially now that he is, he's driving, I think, okay, what happens that, you know, and I'm always like, do you know what, the, what to do if you get stopped by the police? And do you know what to do if, and he says, yes, mom, I know, but I keep thinking like, he thinks he's street smart, but he's only been in the U.S. for two years, you know? And I, and, and I just have this thing that he has 
kind of rose colored glasses and that's very fearful as a black mother. And then I step back and I think, you know, I've had this fear for like three years, but there are people who like live with it, have lived with it and, and, and are living with it with their sons for, for years and years here. So it's, um, it, it is a scary time right now. Um, had with, with all the, um, anti-trans legislation, particularly in, um, high school and collegiate sports, um, as the parent of, of a trans child, uh, do you feel like the trajectory of your life may have been changed if y'all were in the U.S. and when all this started, like when when your son was, you know, might have been playing uh, some kind of school sport? Um, yeah, I mean, he, he well, he's he's um, taken a leave from university, but before he transitioned, he played rugby. He was on the women's rugby team at Northeastern. Um, and, um, you know, I do think that it perhaps would have affected, you know, the way we looked at things. And even now I, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I, I tell them, keep your passport handy because these people are crazy out here. And, you know, I, I was just, I saw something on Twitter today and it was one of those times where I had to put my phone down where there's this, you know, family that went and beat some guy up because they said he, they thought he turned their son gay, right? Um, and there's just such a level of ignorance that is celebrated in the U.S. And I think that's one of the saddest things that there are, there are people who are, you know, it's like, keep them dumb, keep them poor, keep them, you know, angry, and that's how we control them. And, um, and so I definitely think that it would have, I actually had looked at sending my son back to the US for high school because where I went to high school, um, you know, we always, we all know that Louisiana is like one of the lowest ranked states in terms of education, but where I went to high school is actually in the top 20 high schools in the US. And I had thought, well, if he goes there, I know he's guaranteed to get a paid scholarship <laughs> somewhere, right? I'm like, mama is counting those scholarships. And I was thinking, okay, he can do this and, he can, you know, and, and in the end, it was kind of like, I couldn't, you know, I didn't want to be away from him. I just thought I have, we have this amount of time left and, um, and so he didn't come. But I definitely for those people who have kids that are in, you know, junior high and high school and, you know, even kids who are because, you know, we knew we knew long before he knew. We knew like when he was eight years old and I bought him this cute skirt and it sat in his closet and he was like, I ain't wearing that. <laughs> you know so like we knew he just it just took time for him to to come to his you know come into his own and um and so even kids who are small that know and their parents are there and who are supporting them you know I do feel for those parents because it's not everybody has a plan b not everybody can pack up and go not everybody has another passport to go somewhere and it's like you know I think it's very um 
uh, I hate when I see people that say, oh, you should move out of Texas or you should move out of here and you should like, okay, you can't tell people to just pack their lives up, right? There's, that's not an option for everybody. And, um, and so I think it is incumbent on those of us who can to really be outspoken and to, um, uh, you know, to, to not give an inch, to not give an inch where we can and to really push back on um, the chaos agents and the misinformation and the hate and the mis, uh, misunderstanding of what it actually is. Because, you know, people that are in other cultures, there have been multiple um, genders for as long as we have, you know, scrolls and, um, and writings about people who have lived. And so it is really a, um, it, it is an ignorance that I think that we have to push back on as much as we can. Um, it, it, to, to your point about uh, the people saying, well, just leave Texas, just leave Florida. Uh, they're, they're also the same people who um, will say that red states shouldn't benefit from, you know, like the COVID relief funds because the governor has said something or, you know, something to, to that effect. Um, and it's, it's very much, well, uh, a lot of Democrats live in red states. Yeah. Like, you yeah, can't. And, and, and not only that, but a lot of people who need, need, that assistance, even if it is circumvented and it is not as much as before. You know, like I said, I grew up in the projects. We ate government cheese. We had cans of like the chicken, the, you know, the canned chicken and the peanut butter and the powdered eggs and all of that and the powdered milk. That was, you know, my mom worked three jobs at one point. We had to go on welfare at one point, um, you know, it, it, I, I think it's a very simplistic view of people who have probably never known um, that type of hardship uh, and, and never known what it is to really like not know how you're going to pay your light bill or how you're going to pay your electric or having to choose which bill to pay, you know, um, or having to, um, decide who's going to eat you know I have I have a client and she's she's doing extremely well now but I will never forget when I met her and she's not even she's not even in a southern state she's in California um but I remember when I met her she was working a job and she's she's phenomenal she's brilliant and I was talking to somebody else and she was just kind of listening and we were talking about our goals and all of that kind of stuff and you know how much you're gonna make this year da, 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 da. and she said I'm just I can't even like put my wrap my mind around what you're talking about because like I have $20 in my wallet. Uh, I have to go back and buy stuff on sale with it and put like $5 of gas in my car. And then I'm probably not going to eat because I want my children to eat. And there are still people who are like that in the US. And I never forget that. You know, I never forget that there are people who, even if you think that a, a blue state shouldn't have X, Y, Z, so what you want those people to, you just want to leave them to the wolves? 
they need to have that hand that hand of of assistance so that they can um, you know so that they can have some sort of opportunity because it is so so much harder for anybody to get out of that you know when we lived in the projects we had I, I when I was in third grade we had a program you know there were all of these government programs that were there to assist you I was in this program called Upsurge where you know which was for quote unquote gifted students but they would take us and they would take us to university lectures and they would take us to you know museums and different things so we could expand our horizons and you don't have any of that now you barely have civics in school right and in most yeah, you at most you don't even have civics, you know. So, um, so I think people who say that really need to check their privilege um, because you don't know anybody else's situation, and you can't expect people to. Um, it's not realistic to just tell people to, to just say we shouldn't give them X Y Z because those people that are there, and and I say that even like people who are in Appalachia who you know they're Trumpers, like you can't not let not feed their kids yeah you you know you you can't not you know a lot infrastructure money to that area because you know those those buses still have to take those kids to school otherwise like the cycle of you know poor education continues because you know kids can't go to school because the buses can't run on the streets and they've got no way to get there absolutely um, so we have come to the point in the show uh, where I dig through uh, my inbox and pull out a letter from a listener. Uh, this week's letter comes to us from Lucy in Montana. Hello, Lucy. Thank you for writing in and um, thank you for uh, listening to the show. I appreciate you. Um, Lucy would like to know... Do you think Disney will leave Florida over the don't say gay bill? No, they have two. I mean, I, I actually posted a tweet that said, go to Louisiana and I got the perfect spot picked out for you. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is that they have too much infrastructure, too much money, too much invested in there and um, and what it really boils down to is, even though it is annoying for Disney, it actually just boils down to a tax break for them because they're pawning off that debt is going to go now to taxpayers in the form of more property taxes. So I suspect that there will be a lot of backdoor dealing. And while there's a lot of stuff around that right now, that after the midterms, um, they're going to figure out a way to reverse this or let it die or something along those lines. Disney's not going to go anywhere. Um, but I would hope that there would be more corporations that would understand, based on what's happened to Disney, that they are not immune from the fascism that is coming. You know, they might not come for you right now, but they're going to come for you eventually. Yeah. And it's... It's also important to note that, you know, just like um, with Georgia a couple years ago, um, I forget exactly what the situation was, um, but these 
there were a lot of, again, you know, we, for those not on Twitter, we, we call this group of people do something Twitter. They're always, you know, they have all the suggestions in the world, but you know, none of them are actually feasible. Democrats do something. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, the, they were telling, um, Marvel and Disney not to, uh, not to work in Georgia. And, you know, it's these same people that are saying Disney should leave Florida, but what, what they don't think about is the thousands and thousands of people who would lose their jobs if that happened. Yeah, the economy in Florida would collapse, you know, um, unless, unless Disney was prepared to say, okay, we're gonna subsidize those people to move wherever and, you know, um, uh, they're going to take them with them, but it's, it's a huge proposition, you know, I, and I, you know, I, it's just clicking for me. I'm thinking about when Disney was built in Hong Kong and took years for years and years and they were behind schedule and there were so many things that happened, but when even just the closures that they had because of, um, because of COVID um, and other situations where they've had to shut down for, you know, a particular amount of time, it was devastating. And that's only for, you know, a couple of days or a couple of weeks. So I, I think people have to think really hard about when they're making those types of suggestions, because it's just, it, you know, it's not based in reality. It's, it's fun to say. It's uh, something that, you know, people can be mad about and, you know, spit fire about for a little while, but it is not really like, let's live in the real world here and come up with some real suggestions. Right. Um, and you know, like, like you said, um, and somebody, somebody tweeted it the other day that like Disney's army of tax lawyers probably has like a phone book of tax loopholes that like they're gonna cash in on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I, what I, my hope for all of this is that, um, because Ron DeSantis scares me. Yeah. I mean, I don't say this on your podcast, but he's a scary motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you can you can cuss. You're totally fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, he is like, he's scary. And, you know, he's scary because he's smart. Um, and he is, um, you know, Donald Trump is a buffoon. He's like, right. you know, are you smarter than a fifth grader? No, you're not. Um, <laughs> but... But Ron DeSantis knows what he's doing and he knows how to weaponize the hate a lot better. He doesn't yet have the cult following. He doesn't yet have um, the um, kind of the the celebrity that Donald Trump had to to propel him in that way. Um, But he is one scary motherfucker. And I like I don't want him anywhere near. The primary. I'm hoping that like Disney will go in a back room somewhere with a whole bunch of other corporations and they just decide to pull funding from the Republicans, you know, and I know this is like wishing on a star, but, you know, and understanding that this is just, this is a, a sampling of what they can do if they have power. They will use it to wield, you know, to, to bend companies to their will, like, or to, to silence them. Cause that's all that was about. Yeah. So 
we've gotten we've gotten all the the kind of heavy business out of the way and now it's time to have a little fun um (laughs) i have in front of me uh 15 random questions uh some of them i pulled off the internet some were sent to me by listeners of the show um do you want to play a little game yeah let's go all right question one what was your first job ever Oh, God, my first job ever. Um, working for somebody else or the first thing that I did for money? <laughs> um, either one. Okay, so the first, I have had very few jobs working for other people because I'm a horrible employee. Like, I, <laughs> I, I'm, my, my mouth is too smart. And so I've had, like, probably three, three jobs in my life. Um so the first thing I ever did was I used to um, make what we call frozen cups or huckabucks, which is like, you know, Kool-Aid water and sell those. I used to sell pralines. Um, and I guess the first job that I had working for somebody else, I worked in a dry cleaners. Is that my first job for somebody else? Yeah, I worked in a dry cleaners. Um, and uh, French benzoyl cleaners in New Orleans. <laughs> and I was a second girl. So I was a girl who brought in, you told, show me where your spots are. I put the little <laughs> orange spot ticker, tick, sticker on it and then put it into the cycle. <laughs> nice. Uh, what is your guilty pleasure? Uh, my guilty pleasure. Um, Try not to feel guilty about any of my pleasures. <laughs> <laughs> like legit. <laughs> I, and the reason is because I'm going to tell you why. I was on a flight from Bangkok back to Hong Kong, and um, I, I was I was like, okay, I'm just going to have one glass of champagne, and then like you know, I'll tell them I don't want any more. And then I had my glass of champagne, and then one of the wind engines went out. Oh. And the, the pilot came on and he said, I'm sorry, we're going to have to turn the plane around and go back to Bangkok. And the plane was just like, it was bumping. I was, and I was just like, shit, you know what? If I'm going to die, I should have had that last <laughs> glass of champagne. <laughs> so, so I obviously love champagne. Um, uh, but yeah, I try not to be guilty about any of my pleasures because fuck it, they're pleasures. I love that. If aliens landed on Earth tomorrow and offered to take you with them, would you go? I don't know them like that. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) It's like, I don't know you like that. (laughs) That's fair. That's, That's completely fair. Okay, so uh, your your answer to this next question uh, may may cause controversy depending on how you answer. Okay. Okay. Whitney or Mariah? Whitney. Okay. <laughs> I, like I like I, and I love Mariah Carey. You know, if we're talking about Christmas air albums, Mariah, but everything else, Whitney. See, I don't know though that that preacher's wife album goes hard at Christmas. Oh, uh, yeah. You but, know. But in all, you know, overall, not even, yeah. Whitney. That is the correct answer. 
<laughs> um, if you could commit any crime and get away with it, what would you pick? Oh, if I could commit a crime and get away with it. Well, I don't want Secret Service showing up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you, Secret Service might come, <laughs> come for me, but let's just say. <laughs> oh, 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 I got you. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So other than that. Other than what that. Would you <laughs> <laughs> it would be like, it would just be like maybe, you know, some sleeping pills or right, something. Right, right. You know, um, oh God, what would I, if I could commit a crime? Hmm, I don't even know. This is lame. <laughs> I can't think of anything. I'll tell you what mine is. Okay, I, I would <laughs> I would want to pull off uh, an Ocean's Eleven type heist. Okay, that's just too much work for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I, I would say that if if I could have something that I did, maybe this it, it well it would be a crime because I wouldn't say anything. But if like by chance, I got like a squillion dollars into my bank account by mistake and I could keep it without anybody knowing, then I would be at that, I would do. I'll accept that, yeah. Okay. Um, what, what is a film that most people hated, but that you love? Hmm. Um, I mean, I love the Lord of the Rings trilogy. My son and my husband think I'm a loser because I like <laughs> literally say the words before they happen. But I think a lot of people like that. Um, Captain Marvel, maybe. I liked it. I thought okay. it was good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it was, it was hated by a, a certain subsect of the MCU fandom, uh, mostly, you know, the white dude bros, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is a film that you could or have uh, watched over and over and never get sick of? Um, the Return of the King, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I'm a okay. nerd, I'm a nerd, yeah. Okay the 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 uh 15 hour extended cut or just the regular release <laughs> regular release i'm not gonna out myself like <laughs> what's your favorite christmas song uh favorite christmas song uh this christmas you know it's a it's a classic and you know, it's the Black Christmas <laughs> celebration. <laughs> Johnny Hathaway. <laughs> it is, um, that is actually the most popular answer to this question. Oh, well, there you go. You must have lots of Black folks here. In <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is, it's like it's the first song for Christmas. It's like Christmas is here. Yeah. Let me go put it in. Yeah. And like... When, when, when those horns hit, you know it's Christmas. Like, that's, that's it. 
Yeah, and Christmas, I must tell you, I am uh, pretty maniacal about Christmas. <laughs> I literally, I, I, well, I haven't in the last two years because I've been traveling in, in the States and I haven't had all my kids. But I used to change my Christmas decorations every single year. I only allowed two, a two-color scheme, which I picked every year. <laughs> and so I probably have... I don't know, 15 to 20 different color schemes of Christmas decorated. They're all in storage. Um, but yeah, I have, I, I'm pretty nutso about Christmas. There, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. If you had an extra $20 to spend on yourself and you had to spend it on yourself, but you could not buy food, what would you buy? 20 bucks. Yep. I couldn't buy food. I would probably buy um, probably a pair of earrings. Okay. Yeah. For for the listeners at home, Miss Lori has fantastic earrings on right now. What is the best show on television right now? Okay, um, this is where I'm going to get bragged. I don't know. I don't watch that much television. <laughs> I, am, I actually thought about doing this as a post once. Um, and, and I will say a lot of this is, again, because I, when I was in the restaurant business, I just didn't have a lot of time to watch TV. And, you know, we didn't have all the shows from the U.S. But I have not seen... My husband and I were just saying, because the finale came on, I've never seen an episode of This Is Us. I have never seen The Wire. I have never seen an episode of The View, um, except for the clips that come on Twitter. I have never seen, oh, name a show. I will tell you, I've probably never seen it. <laughs> um, uh, Breaking Bad, although my husband did binge watch that without me once. Um, I haven't seen, um, oh my God, so many shows I haven't seen. So I couldn't tell you. Um, You have to watch The Wire. You have to. I know. It's on my list. It's on my list. And And yes, also Luther. Yes. Um, But also uh, you have to check out Abbott Elementary. Oh, I have seen a couple of episodes of that before I came to Mexico. That's really good. That's, That's yeah. That's really good. And what was the, there was another show I saw a few episodes of the the something gemstones. Oh, the righteous gemstones. The righteous I think is what it's called. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. That was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I don't want. I, I don't watch a lot of TV. Okay. Um. So, bonus question. In your opinion, what is the greatest television show of all time? Ooh. Hmm. That is really hard because I got to go so far. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, good times. The Jefferson. I'm like, way, way back. I'm trying to think. The greatest television show of all time, Sesame Street. Okay. All allowed. Sesame Street. Um, that's a question from, uh, one of my other shows. And usually, 
um, the answer that I get is um, Golden Girls. Oh, yes. That's a great show. That is a great show. And I have seen quite a few of those episodes. The Golden Girls would be right up there. But Sesame Street, I, I will stick with Sesame Street because I just think it's just such a trans, you know, of course, it's different from like a sitcom or whatever, but it's this transformational show. It is, there's a version of it pretty much everywhere. And, you know, the Muppets have become their own brand. So I just think it's, yeah. And everybody grew up on Sesame Street. Like, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, how old you are. Like, Sesame Street was built into your childhood in some form or fashion. Although, if the Republicans get in, I can tell you is going to be, they're going to brand it as CRT (laughs) (laughs) and try to get rid of it. (laughs) Probably. Actually, more than more than likely, that's. That's that's not a bad talking point, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. Yeah. Um, actually, I was um, I, and I'm, I'm going to send this tweet out later. Um, and I, I'm going to digress just a, just a minute. One of the that's reasons I think that the, the, the media is failing us. I was watching uh, listening to Ari Melville, which I rarely do because his stick with the rap stuff gets on my nerves. Oh, my God. But I was listening to him last night and I and and I just heard it was on and I heard out of corner of my um, of my ear. He asked um, his guest is about the math books being banned in Florida. And he said, did you find any evidence of CRT in the math books? And I stopped and I said, this it encapsulates isolates every single thing that is wrong with the media because that should not be the question he the way it should have been framed was we all know that crt is a law school topic so there is no way that it could be there could be crt in these math books but what are they claiming is crt and it should not be like he's literally validating their definition of what CRT is. And I don't remember the guy's name, um, but he posted a tweet and it's still up there. I have to go find it. And it said, you know, we win every single time they say CRT because we're embedding it into the lexicon of, you know, we're changing what it means. Yeah. And um, journalists are just lazy. They're lazy. They are, um, you know, overtly biased to, to Republicans because that's the side that their money is made on. Um, or to the leftists, depending on where you are. I mean, I have very strong, we can go on and on about this. <laughs> but, you know, there's a few of them that I'm just like, you know, y'all need to get with the program. And that's really what is, um, they're failing us. They're doing a, such a disservice um, in terms of being the uh, the fourth estate, they have strained. You know, when we see these guys who are saving up the juicy stuff that could have an impact on our democracy, just so they can turn a buck with a book, that is a, a failing. And you know, I don't know what the answer is, but I think it is incumbent upon on us to continue to call them out when they tweet stuff that is ridiculous or when they try to justify something I think you know we have to ratio the hell out of them um, you know in every way that we can so that we don't give them an inch I could not agree more 
How many alarms do you set in the morning? Zero. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, you're your own boss, so I... I... Yeah. <laughs> and I pretty much get up at the same time every morning anyway. And then, you know, if I don't have calls in the morning, I mean, my schedule is really weird depending on where I am in the world um, because uh, I, I still have staff in Hong Kong. I still have staff in the Philippines. And so they're, you know, I, right now I'm in central time zone, but my morning is their evening. Um, and then there, so like if I have something that I really need to get done before like 6 p.m. Hong Kong time, then I have to be up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, and um, or if there's something that I need to get done before business opens early the next morning, then I need to make sure that they have it at nighttime so they can do it. So it's just kind of wonky, but I don't I don't set it. And if I miss it, I'm just kind of like, OK, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, I only thing I'm never late for is a client call. Um, but yeah, my, I, I've done, I've done my hard time. So <laughs> I don't <have> any alarms. <laughs> if I invited you, uh, to a barbecue because white people have barbecues, um, uh, what, <laughs> what would you bring? I could bring anything you wanted, baby. Because I am an amazing cook. That's how I made my money. Um, I would probably, I, it depends. Okay, first of all, I would have to know, like I would have to know you and where you live and what your cook kitchen looked like before I accepted the, the invitation because we don't eat That's from fair. Yeah. And then if I trusted you enough to grill my meat, <laughs> <laughs> I would probably say, oh, I'll bring the sides. <laughs> so I know that I had something to eat. Um, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty particular about food. Um, and so it would probably be like maybe some, you know, um, mac and cheese, um, probably a salad, um, probably a charcuterie board, um, you know, something that I know I can eat. So something green, something starchy, and something that was meat in case you burned everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am uh, shit on a grill. So if I'm hosting a barbecue, somebody else is handling all that. Yeah. And I'm in charge of like drinks and plates and shit. What, what is the worst pickup line you've ever heard? You know, I have not heard that many pickup lines. That is, and I, I will tell, I, you know, I met my husband when I was 19. Um, and I have, I, I mean, I won't say that I have resting bitch face, but like people can tell, like if I see somebody coming over to me, I'll be like, don't even like, don't even try it. From the time I was, and I'm much more mellow now than I was <laughs> like 18, 19 years old. So um, yeah, I haven't heard that many crazy pickup lines and I don't even have, you know, I see women who are like, oh, people been in my DMs. I think I must've put my settings on like, I don't accept DMs or anything like that. But I'm like, don't even like mess with me like that. You know, that's not, yeah, I haven't heard that many okay. pickup lines. 
If you could have a song play every time you entered a room, what would it be? I'm I'm fine by Mary J. Blige. Yes. <laughs> I'll work that thing out. Yes. So, but probably I'm fine by Mary something by Mary J. Blige, because then I can. <laughs> <laughs> And final question, if you had a talk show, living or dead, who would be your first three guests? My first three guests, uh, I would want, um, Michelle Obama. The most popular answer to this question. Harriet Tubman. Ooh. Because I want to know how she decided who was staying and who was going. <laughs> like, just tell me why you decided who you're going to leave behind. <laughs> um, and... Josephine Baker. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I love that. So we have come to the end of the show, um, which is unfortunate because I could listen to you talk for the rest of the night and just be good. Um, this is fun. <laughs> so if there is anything that you would like to plug or if you'd like to drop your social media handles uh, for the folks listening to uh, give you a follow, and I highly recommend they do, uh, you're free to do that now. Oh, okay. So I am at Lori G Speaks on Twitter. I think that's my Twitter handle. I don't even, let me check it out. <laughs> Lori, <Granito>. <laughs> Lori at Lori G Speaks is pretty much my, my Twitter handle. I am still on Facebook, um, although I'm not on there that often. Um, I don't really do Instagram, although I do have an Instagram account. I am on uh, Clubhouse uh, every now and then. I do business strategy rooms. Um, but yeah, send me a, a DM or tag me, not if you're crazy and not if you've got anything like, you know, crazy. I do a, a, every week on Twitter, we do a space to call Black Women Mental Health Matters, um, where we explore all kinds of issues that affect Black women from generational trauma to um, the last week we talked about how we can bring our youth along. And so it's a really amazing room. People are in there every week. I would love for you guys, if you're on Twitter, to follow us there. Um, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, Miss Laurie, thank you so, so much uh, for coming on the show. I, I have enjoyed this so, so much. Um, and if you know, I've got 97,000 other shows. So if you ever want to come on one of those, I uh, just uh, give me a shout and I have always got a place for you. Thank you so much. And I'm very happy to come on. I am, you know, uh, where in the world is Lori Granito? <laughs> usually around. And um, yeah, I'd love that. I love doing, I love doing these types of shows with such, you know, an amazing person like you. And uh, it has been such a pleasure. 
Don't Make This Weird is a dollop of Trollop production in association with Spring Break 83 Productions and the Joyful Warrior Podcast Network.